Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 629. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I literally, <laughs> literally have no idea what we're talking about. Let me give you guys some insight to Zen Parenting Radio. <laughs> Kathy uh, drove our kid back and forth to the university. I took her back to college, yeah. to her university. Three hours, three hours back. So, um, but I said, you got something for the show? She said, no, I'll come up with something. So she's been kind of scrambling because she just got home. And I've been looking up YouTube clips of the Beatles documentary, of a Saturday Night Live skit, and also of one of my favorite movies called My Blue Heaven. So I am really putting a lot of effort into making sure that there's good clips involved with this. I don't think we're going to play any of the things you just said. We're not going to play My Blue Heaven. Give me one of them. Will you give me one of them? Well, you can play something from the documentary because it's pretty good. But before you do that, will you turn on my earphones a little bit? I can't. They're already, they're all the way up. Are they really? All the way up. All Here, right. How about Can this? you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. Okay. Does that help? Much better. Thank okay. you. I need to like hear my earphones. Um, and then, but real quick, before we even start the show, sweetie. I just uh, picked up our other daughter from school. Names will go uh, withheld to protect the innocent. And I was asking her specific uh, questions about how her day went because I thought she told me, I told Kathy, like, you'd think I'd know this by now. Our daughters are 18, 17, and 14. And I was asking her specific questions about her lunch, about gym, about, you know, the important stuff at school. And she's like, aren't you going to ask me how my day went? Mm -hmm. So I did that. And I said, how was your day? And she said, it was great. And I said, say more. She's like, well, that's all I want to tell you. My point is, do you ever find, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, do you ever find yourself like, you feel like you're doing it the right way because they've told you to do it a certain way. And then they're like, you're not doing it right. Whether they're four or 14 or 22. And then Kathy reminded me, these are human beings. Yeah, they're not going to always want you to do things the exact same way because they're going to have, have good days and bad days. They're going to have good moods and, and tougher moods, and they're not robot, robotic people. And we have to remember to not get robotic. Um, that's actually what we're talking about today, by the way. Really? Well, the, the title of... About robots? No. Oh. The title of today's podcast is Be Flexible With Your Story. Be flexible. Let me write that down. Be flexible. Okay, I like okay. that. Okay. So it's not really about this specifically, but we have to be flexible when our children are like, say our kids are like, this is what I want you to do. And you do it. And I was joking with Todd because there's this great scene in the movie Eighth Grade, the <laughs> the movie Eighth Grade from like a few years ago, where she's this girl, this young girl's eating a banana and the dad comes home and it's like, he's like, but you specifically told me you don't like bananas. I even wrote it down here in my notes. Like he was trying to like really remember. Yeah. He was trying things. to tune into his tune kid in. And, and she was doing the opposite of something that she, she said she hated bananas right. and then he caught her eating a banana in the right. kitchen and he was dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes as a parent am dumbfounded. Well, and that's a perfect example of that movie. What she's actually doing is having, like she's actually experimenting, thinking about things that are sexual. Mm -hmm. And so she was looking at a banana, not because she wanted to necessarily eat it, but because she, there was something going on in her mind that she was thinking about. And then her dad came in the door. And so to not be embarrassed, she just 
you know, so my whole point is that that's a good example of like our kids aren't always on the same thought processes we are and there could be reasons why they don't want to talk about school that day there could be reasons that they really do want to talk about school there could be reasons that they want you to ask it a certain way and instead of getting caught up with absolutes like i did it the way you said or you told me to do it this way and i did therefore you're wrong just be flexible with them we got to play this scene (laughs) okay so this is the dad from eighth grade it's not a popular movie but it's insanely good and this is my one of my favorite tv dads of all time so he just walked in to see her dad her daughter eating a banana no i swear like a month ago i asked you if you wanted a banana and you got all angry at me you said (laughs) you hate bananas and i always forget that you hate bananas and I think I wrote a note down about it on my app thing, so I wouldn't forget. Uh, I I don't hate them anymore. Oh my god! So the fact that the dad is putting notes in his phone—he's trying to remember. I, that's why I love this dad. He's trying so hard. His daughter is being so hard on him. And I just love this dad. Well, and the thing is, is I think you and I, this is not a Todd issue. This is an all parent issue because there are times that I come home and say, I did all these things and nobody's recognizing it. Is sometimes when we're like making notes about the banana in our phone and then we use that information and it doesn't work out. We're like, where's my pat on the back for doing the right right thing? And it's like, that's just not going to happen all the time with human beings. And they're constantly changing. They're constantly growing. Even if you have teenagers, they're every two months there's something new um so anyway um we i first want to promote the zen parenting moment okay pre-approved mm-hmm. and here's a quick preview from the target lady that'll <laughs> <laughs> be 441 dollars what that cannot be right uh-oh you're correct you know what that means i get to do something very rare Oh, I thought she was going to say approved. Instead, she said void. I can't find it where she says approved. She usually says pre-approved. I think she says approved. Oh, she does? When the credit card goes through. Oh, She gets all excited. Okay. You never really liked the Target lady. Not as much as you did, but yes. Um, So pre-approved. This is the quote that you shared. No one has ever done this before. No one has ever been you before. Welcome to a truly unique phenomenon. Welcome to your life. And that was by Rob Bell. How to be here. Yeah. Um, do you want to share anything? I have a quote I want to share from this blog, but if you want to share anything about it before I do that. Sure. Well, I wrote it like about a year ago um, and recently found it because I was reading one of Anne Lamott's books and I just happened to be listening to a podcast with Anne Lamott. It reminded me of something I'd written. So I went back and got it. And basically in her book, she was talking about how her mentor at the time would, when Anne would, and you have to know Anne Lamott's humor. She's very self-depreciating, but she would say, you know, I'm, I'm worthless or I'm not good enough at this or I'm not achieving this. And her mentor said to her, you don't need to worry about that stuff that you're not good enough because you've already been pre-approved to be here. Mm -hmm. And she was so certain about it. And I just thought that that language is so perfect. It's what you and I are always trying to share with, of course you belong because you're here. Like you wouldn't be here if you didn't belong. Like then there's other levels and layers of belonging, you know, social groups and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everything is easy, but you don't have to question your 
belongingness in the big picture. Yeah. So you're pre-approved. Um, if you want to subscribe to Kathy's Zen Parenting Moment, if I were to rename what the Zen, Zen Parenting Moment is, sweetie, I would call it 30 Seconds of Inspiration. Okay. Because all of these moments that you put down on paper literally takes 30 seconds or less to read. Yeah. It's just a great way to start out your Friday. So if you're interested, just go into the show notes and click on the link and you put in your first name, last name, and email address. It's that easy. Yeah, you subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment and it comes on Fridays. That's all. There you go. Um, so be flexible with your story. Yeah. So be flexible with your story. So I, this actually came to me cause I was on the way home from dropping JC off. Um, I was listening to part two of, um, Brene Brown's, um, interview with what's his last name? James Clear, the guy who wrote Atomic Habits. Yeah, James Clear. James Clear. So I was listening to part two and I had started listening to it in Seattle when we were gone. And then I forgot that I was only halfway through. So mm -hmm. I was kind of excited. Like, oh, I have more of this to listen to. And one of the questions she always asks at the end of this is Daring to Lead podcast, by the way. Um, one of the questions she always asks is like, what would she has all these questions at the end? Like, you know, I, I can't even remember. She what. has to guess the same list yeah, of questions. The same. Or, like, it's like a survey. Like what's, thing. what's on your bed stand for reading or something like that? Like, yeah. what books are you currently reading? Whatever. I think that's an unlocking us. But anyway, okay. one of the answers that he gives to one of the questions is I think it would be great if we could be more flexible with our story. And I found it to be really interesting because JC and I, on the way up, me, me taking her back to school, she and I were just talking about that. I was kind of explaining to her that the way, the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves mm -hmm. is what creates our viewpoint on the world. Yep. And I told her how that, I have done this a lot of my life and always felt a little uncertain or criticized for doing it because people will say, but then it's not real. Like, let me give you an example. Like, um, if some, if like, say I got a C on a test and I was like, well, I got a C, but I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing now. So that C was helpful because I'm going to retake it. And it, that's kind of the story I took. Yeah. And then someone would say to me, but that's dumb because you got a C. So you're not happy with a C. Mm. Don't make up a story that you're happy with a C. Mm. And I would always be like, well, I'm not really happy with it, but this is kind of the way I'm viewing it. Yeah. And so, and the thing is the, per the person who's like, you're not happy with a C. Don't pretend you are. I, I, it felt really like, of course I'm not like I, their story wasn't wrong necessarily, but their story about everything was kind of like, it just sucks, period. Yeah. And I and I was always trying to be like, well, this is the way I look at it. Or, you know, I'm struggling. You know, I remember a long, long time ago, we had someone that didn't live too far from us and we were struggling with this person. And I remember, and there was like a whole neighborhood thing going on and it was really hard for me. Neighborhood drama. Neighborhood drama. This is like 10 years ago. Um, and I remember feeling like, well, I'm actually learning how to speak up for myself. Mm -hmm. And so my story was, this is actually helpful. Yeah. Like, can't we just, in the midst of it, I want to be clear when I tell this story. This is not about spiritual bypassing or overriding grief or pretending something bad isn't happening. When I initially got that paper and it said C, I was like, oh my God, this sucks. But how did I tell the story to myself afterwards? Mm -hmm. So you can call this optimism. You can call this um, reframing. You can call this trying to find the good and the bad. I don't care what the t the label is, but what we know is that people who tell a story about their lives 
and they view it in an optimistic way. Like, for example, in my book, in Zen Parenting, the book, and I couldn't find it because like Ted said, I was scrambling. It's funny to not find your own information in your own book. I can't find it. That's why I don't write books. But there's one point where I give this this research study about they found that people who have a story about aging that is positive – like they're like, I'm, you know, I'm so grateful to be growing older and I feel so much wiser and I'm just not worried about the, you know, things like I used to be, that those people live seven years longer. Totally believe it. Than people who are like aging sucks. Everything's going to, you know, everything's falling apart. Everything's going to be bad. I'm never going to be cool again. Like those people literally lose years of their life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I, I sometimes... When I first, when you first told me about positive psychology, I was uh-huh. totally on board. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, but what about the reality of it right. or the spiritual bypassing that happens as a result, which is what you just talked about. And then I'm like, no, actually there's, because it sounds like somebody in your example about aging, you could either look at aging through a lens of negativity. Sure. Or you could look at it through a lens of, hey, this isn't this great. And I think the answer is always somewhere in between. Like there is something about how sometimes when you get old, things don't work as well. You got a bum shoulder. Where, oh, where'd that come from? I don't know. I woke up with my shoulder. It's like I ripped a tendon. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what By it not feels doing like. Anything. And I did nothing. Yeah. I woke up with like a ripped tendon shoulder. I didn't really rip a tendon. Yeah. But that's what that's the pain. Right. I'm like, what did I do? I mean, I do yoga almost every day of my life. I sleep in the same positions that I mm-hmm. always sleep in. I have my body pillow. Mm-hmm. What happened? Yeah. How did this happen? So aging can be uh, a beautiful thing. And blowy. And a blowy thing. I, the way I frame it, and I feel like these words are similar to what you're sharing, being flexible with your story, is the to me or for me. Are things happening to me? Like, am I at the effect of all these people, circumstances that are working against me? Or is it happening for me? Which means it's here for my uh, for my own learning. Like, I got a C on a test or a D on a test. I could either say, man, I suck at this subject. right? Or I could say... This is happening for me because it's showing me that I have to work harder to get a better grade on the test, or it's showing me I know I now know how to test to study better because I know what I'm missing. It kind of reminds me of the story that you used to say your mom told you. I think when you get your driver's license, that when you got pulled over yeah. by the police car mm-hmm. and you because you blew a stop sign. No, I was speeding. Oh, you were speeding, mm-hmm. and you could say, "Oh my God, I just got busted by the cops." This is happening to me. Right. And instead, your mom helped you reframe it in what way? She said, uh, well, she's like, is there a possibility that because you were pulled over, it kept you from getting into an accident further up the road? And that's a perfect example. Yeah. Did it happen for you? And and here's the thing. Getting the C, getting pulled over, um, whatever happened, getting aging, Aging, it already happened. So my point is it's not about trying to avoid something. And it's not about pretending something didn't happen. That's called denial. And if you are in denial, then you, someone in denial lives in the binary, which means they're like, they have to keep denying that something happened. Like, no, I didn't get a C or that teacher graded it wrong or someone cheated. Or we have to like, we we're so, we're unwilling to accept the C mm-hmm. and we'll like have our parents call or we'll like, you know, claim something that didn't happen, happen. This is not about denial and it's, and it's not about binary thinking because the, the truth is, is two things can be true at once. You can get a C and be upset about it and also reframe or be flexible with the story you tell yourself about it. Because the truth is, 
the storytelling is what creates our lives. And when I say storytelling, people think mythology mm-hmm. or not mythology, they think fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about fairy tales. I'm I'm talking about and fairy tale sounds again like an untruth. This whole idea of being a realist, what does it mean to be a realist? Does realist mean you're a pessimist? And that you see things only through the lens of why it's bad? Or does being a realist mean that you... Because that's the thing is I find myself to be very much a realist. I don't deny my feelings. I don't deny what's happening around me. I don't deny what's been said to me. I don't deny when you and I are struggling with something. I don't I don't deny any of it. But I also don't say to myself when you and I have a difficult conversation... We shouldn't have to have that difficult conversation. That That's not necessary. He should know this. He should know that. I instead say, I feel closer to him now that we had a difficult conversation. So I think we're on the same page, but okay. I just need to frame it out a little bit. Okay. What I liked about what you just said is that the thing already happened. It already happened. I already got pulled over. Correct. Now, one thing that doesn't already happen to me usually is how am I going to emotionally take this in? Mm-hmm. Now that's integrate it. Integrate it. Yeah. Because there's times when, okay, I got pulled over, that already happened, but I haven't gotten frustrated or I haven't like let some of my anger out because I got pulled over. So it's not one or the other, but like the incident happened. And then the next thing that I sometimes do is like move around it and pull the lesson out. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, don't pull out the lesson until you, I mean, you can pull the lesson out before you've processed through it. And the process could be like, you just like, yelling in the car. Sure. Like just letting Having an it emotional experience. Right. So I think as long as like we we remind ourselves that it probably isn't such a bad idea to allow ourselves the emotional experience. And then you can quickly move over to the lesson. For sure. And be optimistic. Or it does because I, I think about storytelling about the way that we frame our lives. And it may take years for you to reframe a story. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to be quick. You can be, especially if it's something simple, like I got pulled over. Like, can we have a good laugh about it later in the day? Yeah. Can we be uncomfortable, worried, mad that we got a ticket, mad that we have to pay for it or go to court? Can we be annoyed? Can we call someone and be like, you're never going to believe what happened to me? Do all that. And then later that day or the next day have a laugh or say, oh, my God, like I went five years without getting a ticket and I got one. And oh, my God, like we don't have to reframe immediately. We don't have to be flexible with our story constantly. Right. But but here's the thing. A lot of us, including me, probably I can't think of any examples, hang on to stories for decades. A hundred percent. That's right? why. And that is why James Clear was saying, so this is, I want to get, we're not done with everything you said, but sure. I want to like broaden no, this fine, conversation. What I loved about what he said about being flexible with your story is probably the best advice because he he wrote Atomic Habits and it's about how to create habits in your life and maintain them. And he talks about the difference between intensity and consistency, which I really appreciated because I feel like I have consistent habits, but I do not like intense habits. Mm-hmm. I am not the kind of person who is like, I'm going to start running for two hours today. Mm-hmm. I, I that drives me away from it. Yeah. So I'm a consistent person, but I also believe in breaks. I also think that's good for you, et cetera, et cetera, which in Atomic Habits, he, I don't know, does he talk about that? Sure. He talks does he talk about, about all... taking breaks? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because he seems so down to earth. Oh my God. If if you want to change something in your life, get that book because it is outstanding. And you know, one small example, when I think of that book, because I actually led a Men Living Workshop on it, they he, he breaks things down and he systematizes things. So if you have a hard time going out running every day for 30 minutes, he'll say, great, 
don't run for 30 minutes because that's hard. But what you can do is put on your shoes. Right. Can you put on your shoes? Right. Can you put on your running shoes? And go outside and get a breath of fresh air and come back in. Right. Right. And so he simple. like breaks it into these. Right. And, and the book is filled with ideas like that. Yeah. And I sometimes do that. Like, I don't really feel like doing yoga today. But you know what? I'm going to get my yoga mat out. Right. And then all of a sudden I find myself doing yoga just because I got the stupid mat out. Well, every good teacher or most good teachers say, like Adrian, who we do yoga with all the time, she always says, you've already done the hardest part. You're on the mat. Yeah. Right? Which is the truth. Like, because you can talk yourself out of it so much. But anyway, so, you know, intensity, consistency, talks about all that. But when he said, be more flexible with your story, I was thinking about habits, but I was also thinking about as a writer. <clears throat> The way that there are fiction writers, I am not a fiction writer, but I have friends who are fiction writers and they always talk about how they think they have an outline for their book. And then they start writing and these characters come to them and they start doing things they would never think that character would have originally yeah. done. And they start to get flexible with their story. I do the same thing with writing. I start writing and I'm like, okay, I need to hit these points. And then all of a sudden I find myself going, you know, in a nonfiction way, a totally different direction. I'm like, no, no, I want to focus over here. And if I had an ironclad outline, then I could never be flexible with my story. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why my stories are a lot more personal because I'm kind of allowing it to unfold as I'm writing it. Yeah. I'm like finding the story as I'm writing it. So can we take that analogy into our lives that sometimes you go into a day of work or we started this talking about our child mm -hmm. and you think I have the, this, you know, the great outline yeah, for this here's conversation. The ask these questions ask these in this questions. order and then we'll connect. Exactly. And if you, if you do the things you think you're supposed to do and then she comes back and says, oh, that's not really the way I want you to ask me or whatever, we can get stuck in the story of you told me this and I'm doing the things and I'm tired and I'm, and you didn't do this, yeah. but, and then we're, we're, we're not being flexible with the story, with the moment, with the day, with it. So I kind of feel like be flexible with your story contains a lot of different versions. It's like how you, how you view your moments, how you view your day. Like, can you, like someone who is really serious, who in a moment is like, I'm going to laugh about this instead. Well, and I could have taken, I could have done so many different things and I didn't handle today perfectly regarding picking up my daughter, but, um, she directed me in how she wanted to get asked how the day went today. I could have gotten really upset with her. I could have gotten upset with you afterwards, held on to it, been grudge. And instead I came, you came downstairs and I think I was holding it pretty loosely Oh yeah, you and say, mad. Hey, just mm -hmm. so you know, I didn't ask the right question in the right way today, and I was holding it pretty loosely. It still bothered me enough to bring it up. Well, and I feel like, but bringing it up is also the release of the emotion right. of it. Like I, I have zero. I didn't give Todd any advice on. Well, no, I did. I said this is kind of the way I experience it, but I was saying it in terms of I have that experience sure. too. Not you've done something wrong, but I have this experience too, and this is kind of the way I look at it. Um, but. But I also like say e even that, like giving advice, okay, I love to give advice. I love to share stories and not everybody wants to hear them. Especially and our kids. <laughs> sometimes they do. They're like, uh, they're like, <laughs> they no said, advice, please. Well, yeah, they're good about that because that's been a direction that has been a direction from us yeah. is like, if you don't need advice, just let us know. And and I'm fine with that. Yeah. 
Um, it's actually, it lets me off the hook, but I do love to tell a story. And when J, when JC and I were driving, when I was driving her to school today, I had to kind of chill cause I had so many stories and I'm like, I need to like chill. Right. And she's like, yeah, like, cause she had <laughs> plenty of stories too. So I was, I was filling too much of the space, but it's about things like this. Like she just is in such an interesting place in life. All my girls are, everybody I know is in an interesting place, I think, but where she's like, she understands other people's life stories now and, and her friends at school have become like family and she has all these deep understandings of these people and and how things are and why things are the way they are. And so we were just having a discussion about that, about people and people's story. And that's how she started is she said, she was talking about um, somebody specifically and she was like, and this is the way this person sees their history or where their life is going and it's not true at all. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's actually this and she's actually this and she doesn't see it and she doesn't see how amazing she is. And we talked about the flexible life story. I said, just, I'm actually going to send her the podcast I was listening to. Cause I was like, just telling her that she can share that story differently can be empowerment. Mm-hmm. Like it's not our daughter's job to therapize this person, but just that information of like, you can, you can narrate, like, let me give you an example. Um, long time ago in Women's Circle, we used to talk about how when our kids were young and we were all struggling with dealing with our own, you know, intergenerational trauma and like coming through our own systems of reparenting ourselves and all these things and then raising kids simultaneously, kind of being that middle place, is my belief system is, is that's why our generation is here. I think Gen X is a bridging generation. I think we have enough from the baby boomer generation to understand those that generation well. Yeah. We still ha- we carry a lot of that in us, but we also have an understanding of millennials and Gen Z where we we carry both pieces. So we get to be the bridging generation and that story relieves me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because that, then I know why I'm working so hard to understand my history so I can clean things up and unpeel that onion so I can pass along something different because that's why I'm here. And I don't mean Kathy. I mean our generation. That's why we're here. I agree with you. And don't you think that our kids are going to be able to say the same thing when they're, when they have kids? They can say the same thing. Like Like my story doesn't negate anything. 30s, 40s, and 50s are going to be bridging what it was like for the 70 and 80 year olds and then the younger kids. But don't you think our generation has had a bigger jump in, in changes as far as understanding the mental wellness mm-hmm. of, and understanding the way anxiety works and depression works. Sure. And the brain that, works. That our parents weren't having to Correct. be concerned over those things. We have had to learn how to talk about emotions. We have had to learn how to communicate differently. We have had to learn how to know our own trauma and see our own trauma. Now your question is like, did my parents have to learn something? Sure. Yes. Yeah. They had World War II had to worry about. Correct. They, they had, had to, to they had about. to worry about the depression mm-hmm. and the way that their parents were going through life and that they were then the product of, but they had different issues. We're dealing with the our cognition. Yeah. We're dealing with our mental well-being. And feelings and emotions. Exactly. And I guess the only thing I would, um, the word you use is we have to worry about this and we have to worry about that. And you're talking about emotional regulation and things like that. 
I agree with you, and like we get to like I'm so glad this is something on our radar because our parents it wasn't on their radar back then, and I think it's a step towards the evolution of human species. And to that's do that. exactly my point: is our parents when we look at our parents and say, "Well, my mom didn't ask me how my day was going," <laughs> yeah, right. she, that was not what was happening then. Right. That was not so to ask our parents to act like they grew up in 2020. Yeah. Or that they were parenting in 20... It's a totally different time. So right now, like my parents built bridges from the silent generation. Mm-hmm. Actually, my parents were in the silent generation because mm-hmm. my aunt is a baby boomer. But anyway, they built they built those bridges where my parents were very different sure. than their parents. But they didn't have the emotional understanding that I do. Yeah. Like then I had all of these issues in childhood with being sensitive. So now I understand emotions and I'm trying to pass that on to my kids. And then my kids will have something different to bridge. So it doesn't make us more important than others. Right. It just gives us our purpose. Yeah, it gives us purpose. And that's my story rather than, can you believe we have to do this? Yeah. I mean, what a waste. Why would we think about it that way? Um, before we get on the next point, we're going to talk about our partner, Let It Be Us. And what they do is they inspire foster care and adoption. So the month of November is actually National Adoption Month across the United States. And National Adoption Month has been celebrated for over two decades in an effort to raise awareness about the thousands of teens currently in foster care who are waiting for their own permanent and loved families. Our sponsors and friends, Let It Be Us, are recruiting families in the state of Illinois who are committed to supporting teens and their success. Their new initiative is to help young people ages 16 to 24 who are currently in foster care in the state of Illinois. Let It Be Us is committed to recruiting new families, helping them secure a foster care license, and then being there to support the family in any way possible. So you might be asking yourself who can join. Anyone who is a good citizen and wants to help a child has a really big heart and is in a desire for serious commitment and a deep connection. If you want to learn more, go to letitbeus.org or go directly to the show notes where you will find a link to the site and a link to a podcast where we talk to Let It Be Us and a family who experienced a foster care success story. And now on with the show. All right. So basically the whole idea of flexible story, let's just kind of sum it up so we kind of have an understanding, is Flexible story is how we go through our day realizing that not everything is going to go the way we planned Mm -hmm. and that that's okay because what happens when things are too rigid, they break. Mm -hmm. That's why we may dysregulate with our emotions. That's why we blame other people. That's why we can get really rigid about our thinking, bordering on some like obsession and compulsion, you know, where things have to go a certain way or else and, and that can get into causing a lot of discomfort throughout our day. Um, Sometimes we need help with this. Sometimes we need people to kind of help us break these patterns, you know, therapeutically or whatever it may be. But if we can get more flexible about the way we view our day, our history, our story going forward, our purpose, why things have happened or the way we would like to view it, because we get to choose. Like, this is the thing is now that I'm older, when I think about how many people said to me, well, that's not true. It's actually this. I'm like, that's your story. Because yeah. I'm not lying about my story. The facts in front of us are the facts for everybody. It's how I view it that is the difference. Well, and I don't know if this will make sense, but you talked about how we view our history or view our day. Let's just talk about how we view our day. And okay. I've shared this many times. When I wake up in the morning, I have an idea how my day is going to go. Yes. And the 
I don't know how many things happen to us during the day, right? But it's a lot. It's a lot. And and I, when I'm in this kind of judgy below the line place, unless things are going my way, I get upset and I upset myself. So basically, I'm trying to make sure the outside world fits with my expectations. And when it doesn't, I get pissed. Right. Instead, and I'm not necessarily that good at this, but I know what the goal is. The goal is to change my inside world, how I view things, how I can negotiate when the curveballs come my way and to not expect anything other than curveballs. This is life. These are human beings. These are relationships. Things are messy. These are children. The idea that things are going to fall into place for me today is... Ignorance. Ignorance, yeah. And so it's about, what's this podcast about? What we've been talking about for almost 11 years. Let's change the inside. And then the outside doesn't seem to have as much importance as we think it does. And it's also this show and is about accepting uncertainty and paradox as normal experiences in life. You're never going to know how everything is going to go. I was, another story I was telling JC, my many stories, was about how the things that we think are going to happen that we're afraid of, mm-hmm. they tend to not happen. Mm-hmm. But other scary things happen that we couldn't have predicted. Yeah, right. So a lot of things we waste our energy worrying about, like, what if this happens? What if this happens? The vast majority of the time it doesn't. Sometimes it does, yeah. um, but it's usually doesn't. I would say 90% of the stuff we worry about never happens. Right. And um, maybe it's 95 or maybe it's 85, but it's, it's, it's usually an unbelievable s- amount of things that do not come to fruition. But there are things that do come sure. to fruition. We just weren't thinking about them before they happened. Yeah. They just happened. And then we dealt with it in the moment and then dealt with our fears and our grief and everything. But we didn't predict it. No. So being flexible with our story that when we're like, this is how it's going to be. Uh, I was listening to another. Oh, I know. I was listening to the woman who does the happiness lab, the Yale teacher. She's a Yale professor and she runs, um, she does the podcast, The Happiness Lab, and she like teaches the class that's so popular at Yale. Okay. I think uh, the other guy used to teach it, Sean Acor may may have taught it, or maybe he teaches it at Harvard or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Dr. Lori Santos Um, is a professor of psychology. Yeah, Lori Santos. That's it. And she was talking about how, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I just saying, Todd? I want to get it back because it was important. Mm, 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 mm. What'd you say right before that? You said something. Um, Dr. Lori Santos? No, no. Before that, we were talking about something before I brought her up on her podcast. You're asking my 49-year-old brain to remember something I said 60 (laughs) seconds ago? It's going to be so good. Forget about it. Um, Well, anyway. It was was about outsides matching the insides. Well, maybe. I'll go on a different tangent because I can still talk about her. She was just talking about, oh, I know. She was talking about her students. And and I could really relate to this because I am not teaching at Yale, but I also have college students every semester. And I'm talking to them about what's going on. And I think people would be shocked by the amount of challenges – these kids are having with anxiety, depression, overall stress, overwhelm. And Lori Santos was doing a good job talking about this, about her, like she actually, she's in charge. She's the head of, I think it's called the, um, the college. I, I, it, she's a head of the department. And Silly she actually Man college at Yale university. Yes. And she actually lives on campus with the kids. Oh, wow. So she has like a connection to them or at least did at the beginning. Okay. And I'm, again, not living by my college students, but talking to them enough and reading their papers and getting emails enough that 
for 10 years, I have seen their anxiety get increasingly worse mm-hmm. and that I don't think we really are understanding the kind of stress they're under and that we have to, or the kind of stress that they believe that they're under. Like they, and a lot of that has been put on them by grown adults yep. who are trying to promote something that they're not promoting. Well, and regardless if they believe they're under it or or. They're, they're feeling under it. it. They're feeling it either way, even if it's not real. Well, and but that's my point is yeah. that they believe it. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You know, like they are experience what they experience. So this was the part that was important is that when they've done studies or um, gotten the data around what are you most stressed about? What is taking up most of your mental mm-hmm. you know, space? It's academics. And you guys, they don't need it after college. I understand People feeling like your kids' grades. I'm just gonna like go off on this because I the anxiety that you are causing your children around grades. When I know the school brings it on too, and their peers bring it on, and I know it's important to learn. Again, teacher here. I'm a teacher. It's important to learn, but the fear and the pressure and the constantly checking power school and taking things away from them and it's so hard on their systems. I mean, that's the only way I can say it. Like if you can, and what that means is your kid might get a B and I'm going to just say, use this because it'll be less threatening yeah. to, to families the, instead of an A. They might get, they might not get that really high grade. They might get a B or maybe a C plus. And then what, what does that mean to you? What does that equal to you? And what if people told you that equals? And do you feel like your prestige goes down? Do you feel like they won't be happy? Because grades and money are not connected to happiness. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that we, one of the things that Lori Santos says is one of her days, one of her class periods, she actually talks about money and about how unless you are, Oops, oh, sorry, oof, unless you are below the poverty level, or unless you actually completely change your quality of life, like like you are. Um, you know, you're hungry, yeah. so you need food. and You need your basic human basic needs Basic human met. needs and, you know, that kind of thing. Then you increase in happiness. But otherwise, money does not increase your happiness. And she said that that day that she talks about that, she will have like a line for of kids waiting to talk to her and say, but what about if you are the first generation to go to college? Or what about if you're going to become a doctor? Or what about – and she's like, no. Mm-hmm. The data, having more money does not – equal happiness and higher grades does not equal greater success in life. We know data-wise that emotional intelligence is what gets us through life and helps us find what we need. And nothing, the other story Jason and I were talking about was all the stories of famous people we know who said, once I got my Oscar, I thought I'd be happy. The story Taylor Swift tells, once I got my second Grammy, Hmm. I thought, well, this is it. And actually I was super depressed afterwards because I'm like, who am I now if, you know, I've reached this pinnacle. Remember Ted Turner said that his dad was so depressed because he reached his goal Mm -hmm. and then there was nothing else. And that Olympians, when they reach their goal, they actually go through depression afterwards. My point is, is that sometimes those things can give you a high for a moment or you're like, this is a goal I've set. But that's not what it's about. It's your life is not about the external things that happen to you. Maybe it's um, you know let's talk about the Olympic athlete. The um, progress or the motivation towards achieving a goal is 
the thing that makes them feel safe. Correct. And then control. They, and then they get yeah, it. Then they get it. And they're like, oh, this isn't everything I right. thought it was going to be. And it's, you know, it's kind of like it's not about the destination. Right. It's about the journey. And maybe, you know, or you hear all those stories of like bands, like rock and roll bands, and how when they look back on their the career of their band, yes. the best was then when they were in a bus driving one from one place to another um, and they didn't have any fame or notoriety. And that's when they then the music came to them more easily because they were in this real place. And then all of a sudden they they get elevated because a million people buy their records and they realize it just feels empty. And that is exactly what I'm saying is that doesn't mean like the things that I'm not saying, let me cancel these out before people think that this is what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with goals. Goals are great. There's nothing wrong with wanting to get good grades in class. There's there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve success or being ambitious. Mm-hmm. But what is your definition and what do you think it will get you? Yeah. That's the question is that the the whole idea that once I get here, then I'll be happy is probably the greatest myth of our time. And we'll even accept that as a myth, but yet we'll still push our kids to get straight A's and go to a certain college. So we're still buying into a myth. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that, especially now, especially now in 2021 with the things I'm seeing and, and hearing about, our children's mental well-being is number one. It's number one. It The way that they see themselves, the way that they feel connected to you or to the people around them, the way that they feel connected to nature, the way that they have something they enjoy, like an art or a dance or a sport or doodling or listening to a certain band. It doesn't have to be an output. It doesn't have to be something that they're doing at school, just something that makes them feel like them. These are the things that will help them succeed in life. And those things will create the motivation and the self-compassion to keep staying motivated and to keep showing up. And I think what we're kind of describing here is extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic. intrinsic. Mm -hmm. And what you just kind of reported back on are the intrinsic motivators. Well, and even like, let's talk about the extrinsic and intrinsic rewards. So, you know, extrinsic rewards, like as a writer, you know, I listen to all these writing podcasts and I have a lot of friends who are authors and people always talk about the the day your book is published, the next day you feel depression Mm -hmm. because you're like, oh my God, like I thought something big was going to happen that day and I feel the same. And yeah, I'm doing an interview or two, but it didn't, it didn't hit me like I thought I would. The person who gets the job as an actor in a movie and then the movie comes out and they're like, this is great, but it's not hitting me the way I thought it would. The things that we, the external rewards that we think are going to make us who we are, that's not it. It's what you just said, which is the joy of the experience of getting there. That's the intrinsic reward of like, I am doing something I love. I am experiencing something that feels right. Um, I am somebody who's not as motivated by money as I was 10 years ago, but I think I have an example that isn't making sense to me right now. Okay. Uh, I used to be a landlord. I own these apartment buildings. I sold them about 15 months ago. A uh, year ago. Six, no, I think it was longer than that. Oh, okay. And I have been so happy. I know. Ever since. Like it, it has not, because usually whenever you meet that goal, it's great for a short period of time and then it dissipates. And this has dissipated a bit, but I just said to Skylar yesterday, like, do you have any idea how glad I am that I don't have to deal with tenants anymore? And I feel like it's one of those, like, 
if you said, here, Todd, here's $10,000, or here is the relief from selling these buildings, I would say, give me the relief from selling these buildings because that is stickier in a good way than a simple extra number in my bank account. So why does that not make sense to you? You said this doesn't make sense to Because me. I figured if we go along this thought pattern that I reached the goal, I sold the buildings, and it should wear off. And but it hasn't worn off in a year and a half. I know, but that really wasn't a goal. Like, it was a goal. It was a decision. It, was it wasn't a, a goal. Okay. You basically went, it, it could have been, I, I don't want to <clears throat> reframe your words, like you get to decide your own words, but it was more of a d- lifestyle decision. Correct. Which is this piece yes. of me that used to believe this yes. doesn't anymore. So I'm ready to let go of this version of who I am, which means I'm going to sell these buildings and be done with this part of my life. Mm-hmm. And that can feel good. Mm-hmm. I talked to people I know who have gotten divorced and that's, it's not something they would have chosen or wanted, but they feel better having made that decision and moving forward with their lives. So it's not like get a divorce and you'll be happy. That's not it. It's not like buy buildings and sell them and you'll be happy. Mm -hmm. It's this decision, which was hard because it was hard for you. It took about 10 years. Yeah. And but then once I made it, I now know it freed me. It was the thing weighing me down. It was weighing me down. So I guess if there is a goal or a decision that gets made, I would invite us all to to make the ones that that are going to weigh you down less. So, and I have one that will be confusing, but I'll be able to sure. explain it. So we were putting up stuff for the holidays yesterday and I remember writing, and I think it was in my second book um, from like 10 years ago, um, that I was putting up, there was one year I was putting up decorations and I was rushing and I wanted to get it all done and I was super anxious about it. And yesterday as I, and of course my, you know, the thing I wrote was like, but then I breathed and Mm -hmm. I became better, which, you know, it didn't really happen like that. It took more time, but I'm trying to condense it into one essay. But yesterday we were putting up the tree and everything, and I was so not anxious. Like I was like, "Will we finish today? I don't know. Do I care?" I kind of had a shoulder thing. I was like, "I don't feel very good. I'm gonna take it." And I had a moment of I realized how different I am. Mm. And some of that's age, and some of that's practice, and 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 you know, with anxiety. But some of it to me was about what I'm doing for a living right now. Mm-hmm. Is I just remember always being like. I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to do something. And if I just can do a little more. And I right now, I'm writing. I'm enjoying it. I love this podcast. Like, and and could I do more? Could there be more ambition? Of course. Like, and I might have more ambition for something else tomorrow. It's not, again, I'm very flexible with my story. But there is a part of me that's like, I don't feel like I need to be doing things I did before because I'm very content. It's very similar with you with the apartment buildings. You're done with that. Mm. I'm done with the constantly trying to prove to people what I want to do. I'm just happy doing it. And at the risk of the cliche, we're not human doings. We're human beings. Correct. Although I sometimes navigate my life where I think I'm a human doing. And I think you and I both are different than we used to be. For sure. The older I get, and um, I don't know, I think it's, if you're, if I think I am a little bit different in that I used to not, I used to get really excited to get my Christmas bonus. Right. Which meant I got more money in my bank account than I had the day before. 
And now I'm just like, that's nice, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean the same. And I used to have all this money baggage and I still kind of do. I still yeah. clip coupons and sure, all that. Sure. But that's more just because I want to find a deal. It's not to save the money. I like. You like to tell us about how you yeah. found the deal. Um, so anyways, yeah, I think if we're doing this right, <laughs> as we get older and we screw up and we have successes that we learn from the screw ups and we, and we're at this kind of weird age. We're in our, I'm 49, you're 50. And yeah, I hope things look differently now than when we were 39 and 40. Yeah, like I hope I'm different when I'm putting up decorations. Like I don't want to be, and that doesn't mean I don't feel anxiety. <clears throat> like of course I do around other things, you know, just like not th- but it's just to, in that moment, but, I just didn't. But think about it. You used to be anxious about getting all the Christmas decorations yeah. up on the day you start. Yeah, I was like, I got to get this done. And I think what you're saying now is that's not... There's plenty of other reasons out there for me to be anxious. Right. This is not one of them. Right. And I think that 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 I I guess all I'll say because I don't really have a final answer to it is I recognized it. Yeah. In the moment as I was I think I said it to you. I said, "God, do you remember how anxious I used to be putting up decorations?" Or I said it to somebody. Um and I was looking for that thing that I wrote about it, but I just think that um and, and let me be clear, like one thing, this is the last thing since this is about the podcast. So Todd and I have been doing this podcast for 11 years. Do you know next month is 11 years? Woo-woo. I know. So I love the number 11. So that's cool. But when we first started, you know, we, I don't know how many listeners we have. People didn't use to track stuff like that. Like, I feel like it's like the stone age. We didn't know. Yeah. Then we, you know, found out we had several thousand or whatever, and I think now we average between six and 10,000 listeners. And sometimes, and for the most part, it's stayed in between. And what I mean is every podcast about, you know, that many people listen. Yeah. And it's pretty much stayed there. And occasionally, you haven't done this lately, but you'd be like, well, we need to keep it going up. Yeah, we need to grow it. And I'm like, why? Grow or die. But that's, see, that's a whole thing. It's a story. Because grow or die, grow can mean grow in what you talk about. Grow it, grow and die doesn't mean your numbers have to consistently go up. And the reason why I appreciate this, do you know how many freaking podcasts are out there right now? Yeah. And the same people, or maybe new people all the time, come in and take their time and listen to what we're talking about. Sure. So the appreciation of 10,000 people, if they be new or old or coming back and forth, it doesn't have to be 11 right. to make us worthy. Sure. It doesn't have to go up every year. We There's a contentness with this is a fantastic community and and it's good. And it's been 11 years. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think about, you know, because I compare everything to the entertainment industry. Like people are lucky to have some time to do the things they love for a year or two. And we've been able to continue doing this. Yeah. And to be totally transparent, we get a little bit money from sponsors and we sometimes promote certain things, but we would be doing this if we got nothing Nothing. back. Yeah. And that's why we've done it 11 years. And we have always struggled with like when we were first starting our business, like five years ago, like Zen Parenting Inc., because kind of everything falls under that now is I, I, you know, I'd be like, this is our flagship. This is the core of our of our business yet that's not where money comes from Mm -hmm. money. I mean, like you said a little bit, but it's like, that's not really, but we still made it the flagship because that's where our heart is. So it's not always about where's the income. It's about, this is what we know we'll do. Like just to give you guys an example, we should have done this show yesterday. I was gone all day in the car for seven and a half hours. It's now nighttime on Monday. This is coming up on Tuesday, but Todd and I wouldn't think of missing it. 
Like it, it just, we just don't. 11 years. I think we missed three shows. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, we do our best. Things happen. But anyway, so I'm done talking about flexible stories. Speaking of community, sweetie, and yeah. speaking of income, yeah. uh, we do have something called Team Zen. Yes. It's 25 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. First month is free. It's a community of parents. And Kathy and I get on twice a month with you. And we have a discussion about what's going right and what's going wrong in your world. So if you're interested, uh, like I said, first month's free. Give it a try. Uh, just click on the Team Zen link in the show notes of this podcast. Um, do we have a special announcement coming out next week? Maybe, but let I'm still, let's... Maybe. Maybe. We, we might, might have a special <laughs> announcement. Um, I was going to say um, also, because you're talking about Team Zen, we have this thing on our Facebook, not our Facebook, on our um, <laughs> website, Kathy, yeah. website. Um, you can tell it's late in the day on a Monday. On our website where there's actually a button that says start now, or you can oh, go yeah. to Zen Parenting Radio slash resources, zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And it's everything that we offer mm-hmm. on one page. And it's, it's, it's a brand new web, oh, web page. It makes me so happy because it has, here's the show, here's Team Zen, here's Zen Parenting Moment, here's Men Living, all the things that Todd and I offer, and my book, um, you know. Pop culturing. Pop culturing on one page. So again, if you go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, there's a thing that says start here. You can click that or just go to zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And so if you're like, I like this show, what else do they offer? That's your page. And if you want to... Check out Team Zen. We just did Zen Talk number 132. The topic happened to be teenagers. Talked about sibling tension, appropriate clothing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, daughter, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then body image issues. Uh-huh. So those are three. So as soon as you join, you get access to all 132 previous Zen Talks that you can download, listen to at your leisure. And then I also, um, on Monday, December 13th, Kathy and I interviewed a guy named Jason Gaddis. Uh, he wrote a book called Getting to Zero. It's open to all genders, men, women, uh, relationships. It's about conflict, how we approach conflict. Um, back up a little bit, because you just said on December something, Kathy and I interviewed Jason Gaddis, 13th. and that's not what happened. Kathy and I interviewed a guy named Jason yeah. Gaddis. I am facilitating a discussion with Jason on Monday night, December 13th. Yeah. And anybody is welcome to ask Jason questions, to hear him talk about how we move in and around conflict. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a really good book. I'm almost done with it. And Kathy and I are big fans of Jason and his message. So Yeah, so we did a podcast with him, like Todd said, a couple weeks ago. That'll be in the show notes. And then if you liked that, which I'm assuming you did because it was pretty interesting, um, go to this talk. And it's open to all genders. Open to all genders. It, everybody. Bring your partner with you. Yeah. High stakes relationship, uh, how you navigate through conflict. Will that be in the show notes as well? That is also in the show notes as well. All right. So we got a lot going on coming into the holidays here. We do. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I know it already happened, but we hadn't talked to you since. And um, now we're on the big slide through. Oh, and it's actually right now Hanukkah started yesterday or two days ago. So happy happy Hanukkah Hanukkah as well. Um, And, uh, you know, we're in the slide and and, in the holidays. Let's be as present as we can through these holidays. Yes. And keep talking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen 
pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.